Hashtag Pistons Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore truck. Joined, as usual, by the esteemed Kumail Cahill. You can find him on Twitter at NBA. So, that was awful. The Pistons just lost to the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, what was the final score here? 96 to 82. Uh, it was a good first half. In the second half, it was not so good. Uh, for the Pistons, Andre Drummond had a nice outing 25 points, 18 rebounds, 4 assists. Langston Galloway and Christian Wood were both good off the bench. Both guys scored 17 points, shot the ball well. Pretty much everybody else was not good. Um, <laughs> Reggie Jackson. Scores three points on one of 16 shooting. (laughs) Sekou Dumboya, six points on two of 15 shooting. Tony Snell, two points on one of seven. Thonmaker misses all three shots he takes. The Pistons shoot 34 of 98 on the night, which is obviously, (laughs) that's some next level terrible, obviously. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it was, that was a, that was brutal. Um, and look, there's a degree to which part of it is just sometimes it happens. You know, he can't buy a shot. Uh, second night of a back-to-back, third game in three night in four nights, that sort of thing. Uh, but, <laughs> I mean, there's really another way to put it. That was that was brutal. Absolutely brutal. Uh, so, I don't know. Cool. <laughs> Koo, start us off. <laughs> what well, are your general Joe, thoughts here, Koo? I told Joe before the podcast, don't ask me this question, because I'm not going to have anything else to say, but it was, they play like trash. They are trash. It just, uh, there's not much to say about it. It's, I tweeted about it a little. It's absolutely heartbreaking to see Reggie Jackson go from where he was to where he is. And he was even like this last year, except he was he just shot better last year from beyond the arc and started to get a little bit healthier at the end of the season. But even still, last year, when he first showed up here, he got a big man switched onto him. It was barbecue chicken each time. He was getting to the rim, he was exploding, and he was finishing over uh, above the basket like he was just he would he had some athleticism to him. He just cooked any big man he had on. Like the past two years now. Anytime you get to big mesh with onto him, it's either a step back, a tough floater, or a tough under the rim kind of finish. It's just, it's never just that he cooked somebody. It's 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 always hard, and it's hard to see see how far he's fallen to that athletically. And because even every now and then he'll show you some athleticism, but people forget the people who didn't watch back then, or the people who just hate him back then. People forget how how crazy athletic he was. And how, how he would just put people on skates and just get around them like it was nothing back in the day. So it's sad to see, but yeah, I mean, you guys are getting what you want. You guys want this tank. You guys wanted trash basketball. You guys are getting trash basketball. So. Yeah, so I don't know. We, we don't need to talk too much about this individual game. Uh, it's been a little, it's been, what, probably like a week since we did a pod because you were busy doing other stuff. You, you have said... You have you have lost some interest since they suck so badly, uh, yep. but you know so we could talk about some bigger picture stuff. But I will say just for what it's worth, so look, Seku had an awful game. There is no other way to put that. Two of fifteen from the field, he was a game low minus twenty one on the night. Uh, but I will say that 
this is not a super concerning performance for me from him because, uh, so like he's had a couple other rough games, but the other rough games have largely he he's played the wrong way, right? Tried to do too much, not played within himself, etc. He played the right way. I don't think. I'm just off the top of my head. Maybe if I rewatched, there might have been one or two, but. Off the top of my head, there weren't any of those shots that I was just like, oh, man, why are you taking that shot? Just He got blocked like five times. Uh, he just It was just one of those nights where he's a 19-year-old. Nothing could go right. He had a couple turnovers. I know one time he had an open three look in the corner, and he got, and he, he stepped out of bounds. It was just, yeah. you know, so uh, I would not be – I'm not super concerned about the fact that he played – and he's 19. This is something that young guys do. Sometimes, you know, it just, you miss. and But as long as he continues to play the right way, you know, playing aggressive, he's not over-dribbling, you know, he's trying to make stuff happen, that kind of stuff, I'm not going to be too worried about it. Uh, so, yeah, um, that's the main thing there. Also, this game was kind of a microcosm of the Bruce Brown point guard experience, I think, for the whole season where... Um, you know, it, so obviously Derrick Rose was hurt, so he didn't play. Uh, he had he hurt his groin in the last game. Hopefully he's able to play in the next game so that it's still possible they could trade him if someone wants to give him something. Also, I mean, even if they don't trade him, it would really, it'd just be cool if he could get through the season mostly healthy, uh, you know, just for purely sentimental reasons. But regardless, um, so because of that, he had a lot of lead ball handling duties tonight. And it's sort of the same story of where... It has been all season when he's had that role, which is individually he's clearly made good progress there, um, and he does some good stuff. But when you look at the way that the offense performs with him as the lead ball handler, it's awful, and there there really is no other way to put it. The offense as a whole just does not operate well with him as the lead ball handler. So I still am pretty firmly. I'm actually I'm very firmly of the opinion that. Um, whether they trade either Jackson or Rose or not, they need to give Bruce point guard minutes through the rest of the season because he's shown enough there. I don't know if he will get to the point that I'm confident with him being a point guard long-term, but he's shown enough that I think he deserves a real shot at it. And also, the potential, he's way more interesting. I think his, I guess the best way to put it would be his ceiling as a point guard prospect, I think, is way higher than his ceiling as a wing prospect is. So I think they need, basically, I think that, you know, when you look at things that are, and I guess we can use this as a transition into talking bigger picture stuff and with the deadline coming up, is the season is over, effectively, right? They're not going to make the playoffs. There's no way, right? And even if they do, we know they'll get killed. Like, if they make it in, it's because the East is such a trash fire, right? Um, we're, we're fairly confident that they're going to make at least one or two trades. You know, at the very least, probably like Lanks and Galloway will be shipped out or something like that. It's just, this season, as far as this season goes, everything should be directed towards looking to the future. So I think that one of the highest priorities for the rest of this year is deciding whether or not they think, they think that Bruce has a real shot to, in the next season get point guard minutes, you know. I think that's one of the most important things they have to figure out. So, and look, he does have a lot of work to do, like clearly. I mean, 
we I'm not going to bother to bring up the numbers right now because I don't have them up in front of me, but we've talked about this before. When he's played without Derrick Rose or Reggie Jackson or Blake Griffin this season, the offensive rating is awful. And you saw that tonight, right? Um, even if it's not necessarily his individual play that is so bad as a point guard, overall the offense just does not operate with him as the lead guard. So it may well be that he doesn't get there, but since the season is over anyways, I think that they absolutely have to give him point guard minutes to try and figure that out. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The only other thing that I would take away from this game because is... So the last like couple of weeks in particular, Tony Snell has somehow emerged as the Pistons' best lob thrower to both <laughs> Andre and Christian Wood, which is bizarre, but it also just... It's so frustrating, like, for both of those guys, is why do they not just do that? Like, they try and throw bounce passes. I mean, it's been a thing that we've complained about in in regards to Andre consistently for, like, three years now, where, I mean, if they just threw him lobs instead of bounce passes more often, his scoring efficiency would be better, he would turn the ball over way less. Like, clearly. There was one play towards the end of the game tonight where... It wasn't an alley-oop. Like, he didn't have a clear lane to the basket, but Tony Snell was just like, well, I'm going to pass to him, but I'm just going to loop it up. And Andre just reached up because he's taller than everybody else and he jumps higher than everyone else. He's reached up, grabbed it, and he flipped it into the hoop. And, like, even if they are, in fact, even if Andre Drummond has one more game in a Pistons uniform, then he's gone. We don't need to worry about trying to defend his honor and talk about how the team around him is trash or whatever, right? Christian Wood's still probably going to be here. And, like, I don't want to see another really fun dunking machine get mitigated by the fact that his team doesn't know to just throw frickin' lobs to the guy. You know, it's just, it's baffling to me that more people on this team don't do that. And I hope that some of the other players can see Tony Snell and be like, Tony Snell's not a passer. He's never been a passer. And he can figure out that, look it. You've got two centers on this roster who both are pogo sticks. They're big, they jump high, and they love to go after those balls. Like, both of them, legitimately, they love to do that sort of thing. Just throw it up there. Don't throw them bounce passes. You're putting, you're setting them up to fail when you throw them bounce passes in traffic. And it was a big problem for a big stretch of their offense falling apart in the second half. Is um, The Grizzlies made some adjustments. They started double and triple teaming Andre. And, uh, you know, it's it's been a blind spot for him. Is he's, he's improved as a passer, I think, again this year, but he's not a good enough passer to consistently beat double and triple teams with his passing. Same thing for Christian Wood. Uh, and they piled up on them, and in the second half, that was a big part. But, like, they keep throwing them bounce passes in traffic, and it just it doesn't work. So, yeah, I don't know. Let's talk about some bigger picture stuff. So, I don't know, if you want to comment on the Bruce Brown point guard stuff they said, go ahead. Otherwise, we'll talk about some other stuff. Um, just, I'll talk about each thing you said just now, and then we can move forward. Okay. Um, <clears throat> just the, the bounce passing thing, and that, that right there is just, uh, I've been, Joe can attest for me, I've been trying, trying to be gentle, and, and, what's the word I'm looking Um, for lack of a better word, nice to the coaching staff of this team, but, at some point, I have to look at the coaching staff and wonder, like, why is this not being, for, like, not forced, but, like, a main point of emphasis with the, the bounce passes and the lob passes. Like, we have Dwayne Casey himself, he has a year and a half experience with this, knowing 
that Andre just is not as efficient. He's going to turn the ball over. He's just not as good with the bounce passes. And I know that some different things about this over the past like couple weeks, but going up playing basketball at every level, I've, at every level, elementary, middle school, AAU, high school, varsity, like every level I played, we we were taught always keep the ball high for the big men. They don't don't throw it low for the big. Men. And it's like it's something a constant thing that the Pistons do. And you know if they had a big man who excelled with this kind of thing that like you know a couple of years ago. Actually, not a couple of years ago. I think it was last year or even two years ago. Me and Joe talked Eric Moreland. I, I, I liked uh, when Dwight Bikes used to give him bounce passes to Eric Moreland because it kind of forced him to be a great – because if you throw him a bounce pass in the pick and roll while he's rolling over the rim, it's forcing him to have to be aggressive in the in – the, in the, uh, so in that situation, okay, I, that's good. But with Andre, the fact that we have this much evidence that he's just so good as a lob threat – it's just so much more efficient. And the fact that we're now halfway another, halfway through another year of the same crap me and Joe uh, complained about the first half last year, the same the same crap I wrote about last year when I talked about how how elite Andre was at the second half of the season, how it started to change. The fact that it's, we're back at this again with the same thing and players just – and the fact that it took Tony Snow. Now, I saw a couple other – I saw Bruce do, I think, two tonight lobs on, but – Outside of that, Tony Snow's been the only one doing it, and it just started happening like this past week. And it's just the fact that it's gotten this far. I have to look at the coaching staff for not making it a point of emphasis. That's just it, it, that. That's the kind of thing that should be like the first thing talked about practice, and like should be harped on. Like every time it happens, he should be calling a point guard over whoever did it. Like he should be saying something to him about it. It's, it's just it's absurd. It really is mind boggling. Like I literally for real just don't get why it happens especially after you you figure that the players themselves would be like oh well this hasn't worked the first 156 times i've done it maybe maybe if i throw a lob this time maybe i throw a lob this time it'll work but it just it's so mind-boggling to me i just don't get it it's so hard i don't get because especially a lot of the times andre has his hand asking for the lob a lot of the times it's like they just it's like they just ignore him i just i don't it's mind-boggling but with the bruce brown stuff um, yeah, Joe talked about it a couple podcasts ago with the numbers, how bad the offense is when it's just him as primary ball handler. Um, obviously, he has to get better, but I agree with Joe. I think his ceiling is the highest at point guard. I'm really encouraged about Bruce. I wrote another article about him a couple days. He's just he's really impressing me. I'm really impressed and really happy that we got him, and I'm really happy for his. I'm I'm looking forward to his future, but I, I feel like part of it can be. I mean, obviously, he's not where you want at point guard, so obviously that's a lot. But I feel like a part of it has has to do with the fact that I don't think at any point, no matter, even, this is my opinion, even at Bruce's ceiling, even let's say he reaches his ceiling at the point guard, I don't know even then if I would want him to be the only ball handler on the Like, I don't know if I'd ever just want one ball handler on the court ever. Like for any team I have, unless you like the Rockets, and even the Rockets went out and got a second ball handler to help James Harden out. So, like, I don't think that should ever be the case for any team. And a lot of the times, if Derrick Rose is not on the court or he's or Reggie's not on the court, he's going to be the only ball handler out there, unless you count Andre. And Andre himself is not, like, the greatest ball handler either. So I think that has a lot to do with it, too. I don't think he should ever, even if he hits the ceiling, he should have that much responsibility to be the only person. But obviously, he does have to get a lot better just being a point guard, finding people, uh, I mean, I talked. we've already talked about it before. He's really impressing me with the one thing that he really 
like something you just watch for. He doesn't show up in the box score, but he he's been snaking people. I I really like that. I really like how he's been able to snake in the pick and roll. He feels real confident. He showed the uh, the willingness to shoot more floaters. He's getting more creative around the rim, going up stronger, trying to finish over people. It's just those little things that he's showing progress from from year one to year two, and even not even just over from year one to year two, just over year two in general. Because at the beginning of the year he was struggling really bad, and he's just slowly picked it up, picked it up, picked it up. And this isn't just like a normal step. This is like a huge leap from where he was. So, you know, I I, I agree with Joe. I think his the best his highest ceiling is that point guard. I'm really looking forward to it, and I do think that the Pistons need. I mean, after we did it so many times, I think the Pistons need to auction off everybody immediately. I think they need to get this rebuild started. I want to get this thing started immediately. Don't hold it off any longer. Get this thing started. Start getting your guys involved, your young guys involved. Start seeing what you got immediately, as soon as possible. I'm with it. To trade. I'm even for trading Derek for anybody out there who would be shocked by that. I, I think we need to trade Derek. Trade Reggie if you can. Trade Tony Snell. Like, trade everybody if you can. Anybody that can be traded, trade them. Get them out of here. And, and get your young guys some playing time. Get get everybody a big, get your younger guys a bigger roles. Get some other players back. If they're young, okay, play them. If not, get some second-round picks, first-round picks. Take on a bad contract. Sit them on the bench and then play your young guy. Because I, I think at this point we need just – I just want to see everyone gone. They need to just go ahead and get this thing started. Okay, so – I think as we look at some big picture stuff, here's what here's the way we'll frame this. And of course, being us, we didn't plan this out, so I'm putting Ku on the spot and also myself on the spot. Right? So you get to pick, right? You are now the basketball genie comes to you. You get three wishes that are going to happen in the second half of this season for the Pistons, okay? Like for sure, right? Like developments, what are you going to pick them to be? What do you mean by development? Can this like be just trade? three things that happen through the rest of the. I'm maybe not. Yeah, in trades, a certain player figuring something out, whatever it may be. Three things that w- at the end of the season have happened between now and the end of the season. All right, first wish off top, we trade Andre or. Andre or someone, someone with value, whether you have to attach somebody else to it. I'm assuming Andre and someone. If we got a wing player, an athletic wing in return, I'd like that. That would be one of my wishes. Uh, that's the first one. Second one, uh, Bruce we, Brown. We could just wrap in. You want, like, every one of the veterans traded, basically. Yes. Right? So, basically, yes. they managed to get actual, let's just say they managed to get actual value back. For every single guy, so that'd be Andre, Reggie, Galloway, um, Derek Rose, Tony Snell, uh, Markeith Morris. Yeah, Markeith Morris. Shoot, As, because it's a genie, we'll even toss in that someone decided they wanted Tim Frazier for like a conditional second round pick or something. So that'll be your first wish: get okay. value back for all the veterans. Okay. Okay. And then second wish. Would be what we just talked about with Bruce. That we just go full on with the Bruce point guard experiment and let go ahead with that throughout the whole second half. That would be my second wish. That Dwayne Casey just lets that happen. He just stays out the way. Second, second wish. Third wish. Um. Hmm. Okay, I'll go. I'll go a little out of the box with the third wish. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I want I, I want to hear Joe's 
one of them just popped in my head. I was like, it'd be funny as hell Joe said this. But uh, my third wish, I'll say this. I don't know if it's possible. Cause I saw someone tweet it that I don't know if they're going to be, if they like capable of being under contract or playing. My third wish would be to see Jordan Bone and Luke, Luke up on the roster getting minutes. I don't know if they can. I know they're on a two-way. I don't know if we can like give them an end-of-the-year contract. But if, if that's possible, my wish would be to see both of them get bumped up and get like rotational the rest of the season. Um, just to answer that last question, yeah, you can convert a two-way contract to a full NBA contract at any time. Um, if you recall back with Dwight Bikes, that's actually what happened to him. He was on a two-way contract earlier in the year, and once it became apparent that they just needed him up with the team, they just converted his contract into a full contract. Um, of course, in order to do that, the Pistons, the Pistons have a full roster, so... And because of their salary situation, they would then, in some of those trades, they would have to trade, if they wanted to do it for both of them, they would have to trade both guys in such a... They would have to trade two veterans and not take guys back, essentially. Um, so you'd have to either do that, or, I mean, hypothetically, you could just cut someone, too, in order to do that. Uh, so, yeah, I would be surprised if both of them got it. I wouldn't be shocked if one of them did, though. Um, but, yeah. So you can just, but yeah, just to answer that, you can do that at any time that you want to. Um, I'm not 100% sure how that affects, because I know that if you're on a two-way contract, you're technically a restricted free agent at the end of the year. I'm pretty sure that's still true if you convert them into a full NBA contract, but I'm not 100% sure. So if for some reason they didn't retain their restricted free agent status, if you convert it, then I would not. Um, because I think I like both guys. I've, I, Louis King actually played some real minutes in a couple of games, and he looked okay. Uh, both guys have looked really impressive in Grand Rapids, certainly. So um, I would hope, particularly if they're going to go all in on a rebuild, I would hope both of them are on the roster next year. So, yeah. So, But, yeah, they can convert those to NBA contracts at any time. Uh, right. Do you want to say the thing you were going to say that was funny, or do you want me to just go? You go, and then if you don't say it, I'll say what I thought, what I was talking Okay, I think all three of the ones you said are really good, um, so I'll just try and think of different ones, but I agree with all the ones you said. Um, so I would say the first thing that I would like to see through the rest of the season would be when Luke Kennard comes back, he scores more than 20 points per game for the rest of the season. Like, he just he's just on fire, he balls out, and so we go into next season, and it's like Luke Kennard's got it together. Like, legit, this guy is going to be an all-star candidate next year. Not like, oh, he might get there. He might win most improved player. He might win sixth. You know, not the sort of way we were talking about him going into this year. That would be a thing I would pick. Would be have him ball out to such a degree that going into next year, we're like, this guy's a stud. And there's no question about it. It's not about his potential anymore. It's how good he is. That's the first thing. Let me ask you something about that then real quick. Yeah, sure. Just to clarify on it. Would would that include... Are you... In that, are you saying, would you like him to start? I mean, I'm a pretty strong believer in not, it doesn't matter. Um, now, players will tell you that it can matter psychologically. Like, there's some guys that it affects them whether they're starting or not. Um, and that's, um, I have no idea if that's something that matters to Luke Kennard or not. So, like, look, if Luke Kennard has a strong preference to start, start him. I mean, I don't, but just... At a base level, there's a lot of those sorts of things that I'm kind of like, I don't get why people act like this or care like this, you know? Like, 
if he gets the same amount of minutes, I don't care if he starts or he comes off the bench. Um, all right. It's all about just how he fit, you know, what the rest of the starting lineup is, how he fits with them. It's our, and I'm not even saying, like, because some people say it's not about who starts a game. It's about who finishes the game. I don't even think that. It's all about how many minutes you play. Like, the points don't count for more points at the end of the game. Every bucket counts for the exact same amount. Like, they could play him just for the entire second and third quarters. Don't play him a minute in the first or fourth. And he would then play, and the quarters are, he'd be playing 30 minutes a night. I'd be like, okay, that's that's fine. You know, and obviously you wouldn't want to do that because he'd get tired as hell. But, you know, just, I don't care where the minutes come unless he has some sort of a, you know, if he has some sort of a preference, obviously, and players do have that, obviously, they're not robots. But personally, I don't, I don't care where it is. So, yeah. All right. Um, thing number two that I would like to see. Uh, I'm trying to think of something different from what you said. Because obviously the Bruce Brown thing, like you said, that would definitely be one. But I'm going to think of something different here. Um, thing number two. Svima Kailuk continue. I'll say that, continues to develop as a ball handler. Um, so I've joked with you on here and also on Twitter that every time he drives, he gets foul, he gets blocked. Um, the last few games, he is a little less. He's drawn a few fouls. He's finished a few times. If he could start to get to the point where it's like he can actually handle the ball some, um, that would be a really big thing for him. And I've tweeted this, but I will, and I've said it on the pod a couple times. I'm out dead wrong about him. I've I. Before this past summer, I was saying that I would not be shocked if he had not made the team this season. That's how low I was on him, and he, he has blown me away. Uh, he looks like Reggie Bullock. There's no other way to put it. I think he looks just like Reggie Bullock did uh, in a Pistons uniform. So if he could continue that, but if he could then so effectively, by the end of the season, we go into next year and it's like, you know, obviously Svee's not going to be playing point guard. He's not going to be even like a secondary ball handler. But if he can get to the point where he's doing the same sort of stuff consistently that Reggie Bullock was, um, where, you know, yeah, you can give him the ball and he can run a functional pick-and-roll a few times a night. Um, you know, I'm almost like a current comparison, almost like what Tony Snell's done the last few weeks. You know, like a few times a game, he can run a functional pick-and-roll. Um, and he's not going to just get blocked every single time he does it. You know, if he could do that, that would be a really big improvement for them. Um, third thing I would pick, um, we'll be, I'll be, we'll be audacious. Third thing, Kyrie Thomas comes back from injury, gets playing time and actually plays really well. Yeah. Okay. That would be the, I, it's, if you could just, you know, it's basketball genie, right? Fair enough. Okay. So that going into the rebuild, they have one more legit guy that looks like a legit rotational piece. That would be it, um, but I really like all. I like all three of yours. The Bruce one, I definitely would have picked, but just to have different ones. Um, so, do you have any 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 further comments on any of the ones I had there? Yeah, I actually I actually didn't want to talk about the Speed one. First okay. of all, Speed is a baller. It's yeah. as simple as that. MSP is a baller. I I love watching him play. I said it when even when he was struggling a little bit at the beginning of the season, the preseason. I said all. The dude just has such a feel for offense. Oh, yeah. It's so you, fun to watch. I just, you get, like, you get a full, you got this, I whiffed. Like, I completely whiffed on this. You hit a home run. Like, 
even this past summer, when we were talking about it, you were saying like you thought you were you were excited for him. You thought he would be able to play. I remember distinctly we were, we were talking in the group yeah. chat this summer, and I I was like I don't know man they, I I don't I'd honestly be okay if they just cut him. And you were like Nah, I think he can play. So you 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 nailed that one, and I I whiffed. So sorry, you can keep going. <laughs> I, I, no, yeah, I'll take credit for that, but. But just like, but for real, his his feel. I saw it from way back then. It's just, and obviously, I feel like I'll I'll let Joe speak for himself if he if he thinks that if he feels differently. But I believe most people, their concern with him was his defense, how bad he would be on defense, and just wouldn't allow him to have a chance on the defensive uh, on the uh, NBA floor. So that's what everyone's real concern. But just for me to even point, just to point out the obvious, his feel on offense is just so fun to watch, dude. It's just like. It's just like he knows what he's going to do before he even does it, and he just like his pump fake. Like his pump fake is already so convincing. It's like he just doesn't. It's like everything he does out there is just like effortless. I almost said effortless, but like <laughs> if for real, it's just so effortless out there when he does. Like he'll do the most subtle pump side step three, hit it into this act like he did it. Like it was the easiest thing. He would just run back down and act like it was. Not. It's just and even with the ball handling thing, that's why I want to talk about. Him as a ball handler, I actually feel like that he has like a handle itself. I feel like he has a handle. He has a nice hand. I think he has to learn how to uh, how to create for him himself and other. And this is actually something I wanted to ask you about. And okay. I know me and Joe constantly fight about this. I, I even threw a soft jab at him in the in the in the chat about this a couple of days ago. But this is actually something I want to ask you about. So with with that whole V thing. Like I said, I think he already has a pretty nice handle itself. Like a handle in and of itself, I think he has a. But when it comes to creating his own shot, now before I just let me finish this before you say anything. Joe, Joe, me and Joe have gotten two fights because Joe despises the mid range, and I understand the mid. I no, Joe, don't throw your hands up. I understand that the mid range is like for God forbidden. It's like God forbidden food over there, and in, in that, in that garden you just don't eat the apple it's just i don't understand that but the dude is i think he's a good enough shooter and it's been open so many times he's even actually he even shot a couple of those last week or the last few games he hit he hit a couple of pull-up middies i couldn't believe he even shot them i, I think it was like his first two middies of his life I, I don't think i've ever seen him shoot any other mid-rangers before but he actually shot a couple last week or the last few games I think that he's a good enough shooter where he should be able to take those. And he, he can actually hit those at a, a good enough clip. He's a good enough shooter. It's open almost every time he runs it. Like, I, obviously, you don't want the whole offense going around the mid-range. I understand. But that, I think that should be a tool in his tool. Like, I think he's a good enough shooter. And it's the defense gives it to him every time he does. And since he really struggles at the rim as of right now, I feel like that could be a nice tool in his tool. Like, he should be utilizing. Which, I, like I said, I did see him shoot a couple times over the past like couple of games, but that's when he was like really feeling. I believe it was that one game where he had like twenty seven points, and he was just like out of his out of this world, and he just started like, you know, screw it. I'm about I'm feeling. I'm about to start shooting fadeaways. I'm about to start doing. What. But I'll let Joe say what he feels about that. But I think that the mid range should be something he adds to his his arsenal. Okay, so first off, I do not think that the mid range is the devil that should be banned. Okay. I say this. I've I've said this repeatedly that it's not about that. It's that most guys are not good enough shooters to have that be a priority. Um, as example, someone who is, and 
if anyone who wants to check this, I literally I wrote a piece. I mean, this would have been a couple of weeks ago now. Um, a piece about how Luke and Seku would fit together. And in that piece, I talked about how Luke is a guy who Luke Kennard, of course, is a guy who he's such a good shooter that you're fine with him taking those mid-range shots. And one of the reasons I was right about there is that it made a good fit with him and Seku because Seku is all about he drives to the hoop or he takes spot-up threes. You know, he's all aggression, all attack, and then Luke is sort of more patient. He can take stuff in the mid-range and such. Um, so, if Svi, Svi is a good enough shooter, um, I'm not sure that he... Because Luke Kennard, I think we can both agree, Luke Kennard has a sort of... He's got an elite sort of feel for that area. You know, like he's he, really he hits step backs. Yeah, really crafty. Um, his footwork is outstanding in those areas. Yeah. Uh, so... I don't know that Svi has that in him or not. Um, I do agree with you that he's got a decent handle, uh, but obviously it's not just as simple as having a decent handle as for creating shots in mid range. Um, I guess here's what I'd say. I wouldn't mind if he, particularly the rest of the season, because once again, it doesn't matter if they lose this season now, right? In fact, you'd actually prefer they lose more yeah. often than they win so you know if you're going to experiment with these things now's the time so given that i would be okay if Svi had more possessions where you know when whether it's out of a pick and roll or a dribble handoff or whether you know he gets it in a spot up look and the guy charges too hard on his closeout so he goes by him if he steps in and if he's wide open he takes some pull-up mid-rangers that's fine uh and He's a good enough shooter that it may well be a fine thing to add to his game. Uh, just for most guys, it just isn't. It just has diminishing returns. Um, I'm trying to look at his numbers right now. Um, <laughs> and he is technically in the sort of long two range. Um, so that, that sort of like 16 feet to the three-point line range. He is shooting... 50%, which is a good rate from there, but he's taken, like, five shots from, yeah, exactly. from that yeah, distance. Like last week was, like, the first time I've ever seen him even attempt it. So, I mean, look, he's a good enough shooter that I wouldn't be telling him not to, but, I mean, I like that his first instinct is to either shoot a three or try and get to the basket. I like that. And so... While if he starts to experiment a little with taking a pull-up mid-ranger occasionally, that's fine. Um, I would I would prefer him to keep the sort of mentality he's had, at least for now. Especially because, once again, I think particularly over the last like week or so, uh, there's been some progress there. Like It looks like he's started to... He's, he's learned a little bit more how to sort of use his body to create that little extra bit of space so that he doesn't just get blocked. Um, he's drawn more fouls over the last couple of weeks, that kind of thing. I think more than a mid-range, I think that a floater would really help him. Um, if he could, because I don't think he's really, just off the top of my head, he doesn't, it, he doesn't seem to take many floaters either. Um, he's kind of, so it's not necessarily just the mid-range, I guess... Whether it's sort of that mid-range pull-up, whether it's a floater, whatever, um, he needs a sort of counter to his drives, I guess would be the best way to put it. So that um, guys can't just go once he, so that once he, if he's chased off the three-point line, defenses don't just know, well, he's just going to beeline it to the hoop and I can just wait and set up for him and block him, right? 
so whether that's a floater, whether that's uh, you know pulling up for mid-range shots, whether that's he becomes he takes a step as a passer, so that he's really good at hitting you know a rolling big man, whatever. Uh, just he needs to find some sort of a counter for that. Well, uh, Joe, I, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you and I can agree that if you're just going to the rim every time, defense is not able to plan. Yeah, I mean, well, and it's not just that he's going to the rim every time, but it's that clearly he is not. You know, even if he maybe will get to the point that he becomes a decent finisher, he's not ever going to be a guy who's going to just be finishing through traffic all the time, right? So, like, no, he's got a decent floor, but, like, Bruce Brown, for instance, I mean, I don't think he ever will, you know, just because some guys have that kind of touch around the hoop, some guys don't. But Bruce Brown is the kind of athlete that, you know, maybe he can get to the point where even when defenses are ready for him, he can just get to the hoop and score, right? But Sfi, even at his peak, is not going to be that kind of a guy. So he definitely will want to develop some sort of a counter to it, for sure. Um, but, yeah. So, But once again, just to be clear, the mid-range is not something that you don't allow people to do. It's just a realization that, for most people, it's not what you want the offense to be generating. And that's actually the important thing. It's not never take mid-ranges. It's that, for all... Almost all players, other than guys who are the absolute best shooters, you do not ever want your offense purposefully trying to generate those shots. That's the point, right? That's all right. Well, so Svee's Sve, a good enough shooter that would be fine letting him take some, whether it's that or a floater or whatever. He should develop some sort of a counter. Um, so, yeah. But just, to, just to hit on that real quick. The reason why I bring it up, and the reason why I feel so bad, is I'll give you a perfect example. And I talked about through the entirety of this game when it happened. But take, for example, the Pistons went over the Rockets earlier in the season, December. James Harden scored 39 points on 33 shots. And I said throughout the entire second half, Bruce Brown was doing a great job guarding. And and the thing that was hurting the Pistons the first half, because they get he started driving to the rim, and he just throw the lob up to Capella. He was killing them in the first half. But in the second half, the Pistons start, and Kobe, and rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. That, 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 I want to say that too. That, that was absolutely heartbreaking. I, I've been, I've been in all kinds of types of mood. I wasn't even able to like mess around with basketball or anything when that, for like the next couple of days. That's just heartbreaking. But just to, just to go, even Kobe kind of mentioned this in like one of those interviews. But James Harden was just going straight to the basket, and once the Pistons started like playing for the lob and were just waiting for him at the rim. He didn't really want to take those floaters. He's not. He didn't really want. So he was. He turned the ball over a lot, and he was missing a lot of shots, and allowed the Pistons to come back and win in the second half. And I was saying the entire time, just play the lob because he doesn't really want to take a floater. They don't believe in taking anything before or three. So just play the lob and just wait for him at the rim. And he was really struggling with it in the second. So in my opinion, that you just need to have something to counter that. If the defense is just giving you something like that, and they're just waiting for you at the basket, I understand that getting free throws and and layups are the best to do it. But having that in your tool, being able to show teams that, like, listen, if you do this the entire time, I will I will just stop right here and take a floor. I will just stop right here and take a little running mid-range shot. Like, you're not just going to be able to sit there and wait for me at the, at the basket every time. Because it's, it's hard to, especially, and this is kind of the thing that we talk about with the Bucks too, with the Pistons. It's hard to try and finish over somebody, especially someone like Clint Capella, Andre Drummond, uh, Brooke Lopez, just – 
if they're just standing at the rim with their arms up and waiting for you, that's, that's hard as hell for you to even to try to finish over. So it's just of my belief that you need to have some encounter for that. So when they when they get sick of doing sick of you doing that, you can then get to the basket. But that's just my belief. But I do want to say this to you, Joe. Can we talk about a little bit how our man Steve McKaylee was getting disrespected on Twitter the other? Oh yeah, for sure. He, I believe, uh, Joe's best friend. Joe's best friend said, uh, <laughs> "What's his name? Nikhil Alexander Walker was quote unquote having." quite a bit better of a season than speed that man has a true shooting percentage i believe i look a 42 percent joking I, I, I can't tell if joe's looking it up i'm looking it up right now up. we're pulling yeah. we're pulling this up asap i think the dude i'm pretty sure he had like a 42 percent true shooting i know it was in the 40s what did he say alexander walker Yes, he said he was having quite a bit of a better season. Okay, so hold up a second here, okay? It was so bad that team people from other people from other fan bases were like, "Hey, man, listen, I don't like the Pistons, but that's that's a bit absurd." That's hey. Okay, so first off, we're gonna go with one of the most basic ways to look at how good guys are actually playing, right? How many minutes do you think Svima Kyluk has played this season? In total. Yep. I don't know. 1,019. How many minutes this season do you think Nikhil Alexander-Walker has played? Under 600. 494. Nikhil Alexander, this season, shooting... (laughs) (laughs) He's shooting 34% from the field. I told you. Overall... When he said it, I went to go look it up. I was like, okay, maybe he's having a better season than I thought. <laughs> I looked it up. I was like, what the? No, look. <laughs> About 50% of his shots come from three. So his true shooting percentage is only 44.5. Yeah, see, I told which you. Which is a true shooting percentage that Stanley Johnson is embarrassed by. Yes. Somewhere Josh Smith is like, damn, bro. <laughs> Svima Kyluk, on the other hand, is... Sh- so, I, how could you even argue that? So, Svi is averaging 9 points and 2 assists per game, shooting 42% from 3, true shooting percentage of 61%. Alexander Walker, 5 points and 2 assists per game, true shooting percentage of 45%. I mean, there really is... There's not a comparison. Like at I all? Could, I couldn't believe it. I, I, <laughs> oh God! Like I, not at all. There's no comparison. Oh, it was crazy because, like, like I said, other people from other fan bases were coming up and saying, like, we don't like the Pistons, but obviously you're just not informed. You just weren't informed when you said this. It's just like, and then and then they have the nerve, like dumb people, like uh, Brady and like. Let me know. I'm I, like I said. They all get on me for this, but I'm not trying to disrespect nobody. But like you guys try hey, to come, at, come at the Pistons fan. I'm 100 percent trying to disrespect some people. Brady uh, Klumpfer, I have absolutely no respect for anything that you say. Right, well, there are no pull, punches pulled here. I don't respect the damn thing that you have to say about anything. <laughs> well, just the, like I'm saying, like they come at us. They call it the Pistons fan, and you know, you know, some of the I've realized this recently. 
Well, they refer they they. I see now that that's like a hidden a hidden insult when they try to say you Pistons fans and they respond to me. I now realize that that's like a hidden insult that they don't respect me. As, like, it's not as a, a hidden writer. insult. It's an open insult. They think you're a fool. Yeah. Okay. So I I've now realized that. But they come at us and say this stupid shit and just like. Like and, and they're like, oh, well, they're the most most offensive fans out there. Well, when you just say complete stupid shit over and over and over about our play, like, like, dude, like, come on. Like, earlier, I that dude yesterday said that Deontay Davis was better than Andre Drummond. Like, bro, I'm like, what the, what the hell do you, and then, like, like, what's it called? One of my followers pointed out, like, I, I, I retweeted it. Like, the dude said something about Andre in the first half, and then the preceded the second half where Andre continued to outplay Nikola Jokic and get a dub for the Pistons. He just, like, he didn't say a single word about it. Like, he didn't tweet no more. Like, bro, you can't just show that kind of blatant bias and just say some stupid shit off the wall and then expect no one to say nothing. Like, bro, just, I don't know what the hell you expect. By the way, while you guys are over here talking about our players, our shitty team, and our apparent trash big man and the, and the innocent Ukrainian that, God forbid, him be in the damn Rising Stars game. Now, we're not talking about the All-NBA or All-Star game. We're talking about the damn Rising Stars game. It was just so offensive that that, that he made the Rising Stars. Your little baby angel that you guys all just protect hasn't won a game since November. <laughs> he hasn't won a he has not won a game. I was I was a whole a year young. My birthday came and passed already. I, he has it. He has not won a game since November fourteenth. It's been how many? It's February now. <laughs> since Carl Anthony Towns last won a basketball game, I have had surgery on my knee, got married, and have now started to walk again after surgery. I'm able to walk now. And I still have a brace on and stuff. But, like, that's how long it's been. And I didn't get surgery until a month after he won his last game. I had surgery on December 17. It's insane. It's, it's, oh, God. And, and look, I love okay, how nobody's just so we're, talking about it. Just so we're clear. I mean, there are people who are talking about it. Just so we're clear, okay? I actually do not think that it is fair to, like, suggest that Carl Anthony Towns sucks because the Timberwolves suck. No, of course. Right? But if they're the point it is, here, maybe energy. when a guy's team obviously is a trash fire around them, and their coach clearly has their head all the way up their ass, maybe don't use that as a way to judge a guy's individual numbers when their individual numbers and the eye test both say, this guy is actually really good. You know? Like, that's, that's, that's what, just, just so we're clear on this, that's what the lesson here is. The lesson is not, haha, Carl Anthony Town sucks. Now, I think we both agree. I don't think he's as good as some people believe that he no, is. No, actually, no. Don't listen to what Joe just said. I'm completely over here saying, haha. You think Carl Anthony Town sucks? sucks. You've lost since, you haven't won since the, I'm, that's exactly what I'm saying. Because okay. everyone was coming out the season when he was dominant. He put that man in a headlock. He put Joe and being oh, he's done grown up. Yeah, look at this big man. Nah, I am completely and utterly saying, ha, 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 Carl Anthony Towns, you have not. <laughs> okay, so Koo thinks Carl Anthony Towns does actually suck, but... No, I don't think he sucks, but I am definitely over here laughing at him tough sucks. Okay, we can laugh at him, <laughs> but just, the overall point is not 
okay, let's judge everybody by the unfair standard that people apply to Andre Drummond. The idea is actually realize that this is an unfair and stupid way to look at players. That's what the point is. Um, yep. So, okay, so trade deadline is coming up. So, okay, so you want everybody traded, basically. Yes. Is there any limit to how little they could get in return for any of these guys? Yes. Or if they could get any kind of an asset, like even, you know, like the Milwaukee Bucks call them up and offer their their own second-round pick, so it's going to be probably the last pick in the draft. Would you take that for any one of their guys? Like, They're, Milwaukee Bucks call up the Pistons, and they say, we, we'll take Derrick Rose for our... No, I don't no, even know I if they have their second Derrick, Derrick Rose... Derrick Rose and Langston Galloway are the only two that I that you must if you trade them I want value I want like I want the actual value like I'm not talking about some value I'm like I want their value I want their value back. Why Galloway? Andre, I just want Andre gone. Okay. Andre just needs to be traded. Why 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 does Galloway get actual value because, treatment? Because what do you say? Why does Galloway get actual value treatment? Because he's one of those players who he's expired. He's somewhat cheap. He will help a contender immediately, and contenders will be interested in him. So if they really want him, you're giving us an asset. If you don't, it's not our problem. We'll be happy to keep him here. He's a good veteran presence. He's a great locker room guy. Great. He's just good for young players. So if you want him, give us the value. If not, we're perfectly fine keeping him. He's not hurt. He's not getting in the way of us rebuilding or anything. He's actually helping us. He's a, he's a great guy to have in the locker room. Great veteran man mentor if you same thing with Derek that's exactly what I'm saying with Derek Derek's playing at a if you if you want them you contenders because contenders are going to want them it's not like the trash bags want them the contenders are going to be the people that want these so you want them you want to go win a championship give us an asset oh you don't want to give us an asset fine you won't win a championship you go get someone else we don't have to that's fine okay well just sort of clear a a low second round pick might be Langston Galloway's value just for it's worth yeah Langston if that's that's what Everyone has this value around like a second. I don't think last pick in the second round is Langston, but if, if if it's second round pick, okay, I'll take that from Langston. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking. That's so when they traded Reggie Bullock, they got effectively two second round picks was his value. They got a second round pick and Svi. Um, by all reports, they could have gotten just two second round picks from either the Lakers or someone else. Just they decided they like Svi enough, which they turned out to be correct about. Um, and I think Bullock was having a better season certainly than. Um, Galloway has been having this season. I mean, Bullock was starting and playing really well that season when they traded him. So I would say a set, one second-round pick is probably about what, you know, either a second-round pick or a flyer on some younger guys, probably about what you could expect in return for him. Um, yep, but, I'll take that. Okay. And then with Derek, Derek I'm, not trading, but I'm not trading Derek unless it's a first-round pick. I'm not shipping him out unless it's a first-round pick. That little Zarek... By the way, I'm not interested in that Zahir Smith guy from 76ers. I don't want him keeping the hell away from everything I've read about him. As soon as it looked up that they, people he might be discussed as being traded, I looked him up. Don't want nothing to do with him. What do sounds you, like, he sounds like one of those guys who is just athletic, but he's not good. And I don't want that. I don't, that's because I keep that away from me. I don't want that. If you want Derrick Rose, I'm on first-round pick. If not, we're keeping Simple as that. It doesn't have to be a high one. It doesn't even have to be a mid one. It would be low 20s mid-20s, I'll take it. First round pick. Minimum for Derrick Rose. And I think if you get a bidding war, you might be able to get it. But for Andre, 
Andre gets in the way of the rebuild, in my opinion. I don't think you can probably rebuild with him here. That's just my opinion. And if you, I think he has to go. You just have to get him out of here because I do not want him to opt in this offseason. I think it's looking like he may do it if he's so. And and by the way, that has a lot to do with the fact with the way we utilize him too. I think the way we utilize him just hurts him. It hurts the people we're trying to develop. It's just I know he needs to go to start this rebuild. I don't think we can do it properly with out with him not here. I mean, with him here. So I, him, I'll take less value. I just want him, he just needs to be gone. It'll be best for both parties. Best for Andre too to get out of here. So we just I'd take less value for him. Okay. But Derek and Langston want proper value. So you think? So basically, what you're saying is, for Derek Rose and Langston Galloway, um, wherever it looks like the market is, you don't want to just if no one meets that price, you're cool with it. But yes. with pretty much anyone else, if they're willing to give just about anything, you do it. Yep. So, uh, expiring salary fillers and like a second. Hey, see you, Andre. I'm sorry. Peace out. Okay. Okay, here, this is a totally different topic. But So Dylan Brooks, who plays for the Memphis Grizzlies, He's a demon. said after this last game, he said, I can't wait. Someone asked him about Andre Iguodala. He said, I can't wait till we find a way to trade him so that we can play him and show him what Memphis is really about. And they, good, good. I've been talking to my friends. Thank God you brought this up. I've been talking to my boy about this. Andre Iguodala has lost all my respect for what he's doing. Right? He's just being a scum. That's a pure scum. I, I would have the same exact attitude. I would have been let him know. Just scum. And if I was Memphis, I would purposely not trade him. Keep his ass at home. Yeah, I would too, honestly. Us? Sit at home. Yeah. I, it's hysterical because he got all butthurt that he was in Memphis and they didn't trade him because he wanted to be on a playoff contender. They're in the playoffs. Like, they're literally the eighth seed in the West. Why would you not? Why would he not have just been like, "Oh, this team's actually good. I'm gonna come back and play." It's baffling that he's still holding on to this. If other players did this, I don't think they get treated like no one would just be not be talked. Like, I've talked no about one, it before. The national media doesn't talk about this. Yeah, it's yeah. Screw him. No, I and I, I respected the hell out of Iggy before this. I respected the hell out of a lot. Good, good person, good, uh, good religious man. I respect him. Respect the hell out of him. But then this year, I've lost all of it. This was just pure scumbaggery. This is, this is just, I can't accept that. Well, that he supposedly also had a deal when he was in Denver, because Denver lost to the Warriors in the playoffs the year before he went to Golden State. And there was supposedly a thing where he was like telling the Warriors the plays that Denver was running in that playoff what? series. You never heard about this? Yeah, other Denver no. guys were complaining about it that he knew he was going to go there that off season already, and and he was like he was like doing that kind of crap in that playoff series. Oh yeah, so if I find out that's true, <laughs> if I find out that's true, then I I never have respect for him. Hey, just, that, just let me hell. let me look it up. Are you serious? And no one fought him like I would. What? Okay, just say. That that does be that doesn't be out of pocket. That just shouldn't be respected. Andre Goodell telling other team plays. That just be like I'm uh, trying to find it. I'm having trouble finding it. There this was definitely a thing. 
If anybody listening to this knows about this, I'm gonna get you a shirt. Andre oh, yeah, right Iguodala. Here, I see it right here. George Carl. Andre Iguodala was a mole for the Warriors in the play. Yeah. Yeah. Now George Carl's kind of a dickhead too, so maybe he's making it up. But yeah, that was a that was a thing. So maybe he's always been a yeah, snake. Uh, so if that's if that's if that's true, I, I can't respect that kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's just always how he's been. Maybe he's always been a snake. I don't know. Alright, is there uh, is there anything else you want to hit on before we end? Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I hopefully in a few days we'll have to do a big podcast talking about all the moves the Pistons made. Okay, here's a question, alright? Let's say the trade deadline comes and goes. The Pistons make no trades. I won't watch a single what's game. Your, what's your reaction? That right there, that's my reaction. I won't watch another game the rest I'll show up to the game. Do you think that would be? Do you think that would be worth? Do you think that would be worth? They should like fire the front office, everyone yes. involved. Yep. Hmm. Absolutely. Oh, but oh wait, no. Before we end, uh, the third thing, the the wish that I thought you were gonna say, I thought you were gonna say, I wish Dwayne Casey gets fired. Oh. And I, that, <laughs> yeah, I guess, actually. Yeah, let me revise that. Screw the, um, what was the last one I said? Kyrie Thomas. I'd way rather yeah. get Dwayne Casey out of town than have Kyrie <laughs> Thomas become good. Sorry, Kyrie, I like your game, man, but we got to get rid of this bum. <laughs> There's no question yep, about man. that. Hey, yo, I got something before you stop. Okay. Yep. Don't look now, but over the last, like, I don't know. Here, let me bring it up so I make sure I don't say something that's outright false here a sec. <laughs> no, I'm not. You want to know who's, like, had a decent couple of months? No, don't tell me. I have to assume it's someone that you just hate because you wouldn't be bringing it up. Um. Oh, I already know who you're about to say. Who am I about to say? Thon Maker. Thon Maker. I, I won't. I won't hold that man, Thon. I've even said it. He has a lot better. Like even he's still not good. And look, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying that he's played well. But like. No, I actually think he has played well when you hold it the Thon standards. <laughs> you hold it the Thon. He's played well. So like okay, so since the start of December, rebounds. Yeah, since the start of December, do you know what Tom Maker's true shooting percentage is? What sixty three percent? Yeah, he's been he's been straight. So since the start of December, true shooting percentage sixty three percent, in averaging eleven minutes per game, four and a half points, two and a half rebounds, plus minus per game only minus point nine. I mean, I'm just... We've crapped on Thon Maker a lot on this podcast, right? <laughs> like, a lot. We will not have anyone accuse us oh, of not... Oh, John Morant. John Morant. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Quoted Dylan Brooks' tweet. Yeah. And echoed the same... So, yeah, the Memphis, the Memphis guys hate him. Yeah. I mean, they should. They should. He absolutely, absolutely deserves this. Um, Go ahead. But, look, we've, we've, we've given Thon Maker a lot of crap. And, look... 
he deserved the crap that we gave him. Just so we're clear. We I do not take back anything that I said about Thonmaker. But we will we are nothing if not fair. So credit where credit is due. <laughs> Thonmaker has not been an abject disaster for like the last couple of months. He's actually been okay. Yep. I'll give it to him. You know what? He plays like this the rest of the season. Come on, no see, nah, see you get out of pocket. You're gonna get out of pocket here. I'd bring him back next year. Are you serious? I wouldn't bring him back for very Say much right money. Now that you're not trolling. I wouldn't get bring him back for very out. much money. But if he plays like this the rest of the season, sure. I mean, okay, cool. You said yourself, you've said this because you've been covering games this year. He's really funny in the locker room. He's a good guy to have on a team. Right? Oh, absolutely amazing okay? guy. And by all accounts, he absolutely works his tail off. Yep. So with all that considered, since it seems like everyone really likes him, he works really, really hard. If he can be, like, a competent end-of-rotation player, I mean, they'll need bodies. Even if they go on full rebuild, okay? Total rebuild. They trade everybody. They'll need bodies, right? Like, Christian Wood's not going to play 48 minutes a game. So, listen, since you're saying something about it, I, I noticed, I didn't want to say nothing about it, but since you brought it, I, you know what? I actually would not be that against it if, if and only if this. And Joe said it last season, too, like the very beginning of this, recapping last season. But it, he showed it a little bit, like he's, he hasn't had as many minutes with it, but even when he has enough, has minutes with it, it worked. And I even wrote about it, Joe, remember, I wrote about this. But when he's playing again with Andre Drummond and he's not being forced to play center, he's allowed to play next to somebody like Andre or someone just big, way bigger than him, he's not a disaster. He's able to go around and, like, do because he's, he's extremely athletic. He's good rim protector when he's, like, not good. He's a good he's help good side help blocker. Side. Yeah, yeah help, good help side guy. He's real active, so he's able to play like that. And he doesn't have to worry about trying to muscle up freaking Brook Lopez and, and – like all these big guys, like yeah. he he he's able to play his role. He's he's actually pretty not pretty good. He's he's good enough to have him in the rotation, in my opinion. Yeah, like and that. like look, so Christian Wood, is, right Christian now, Wood is not as big as Andre, obviously, but he's got some of that same kind of stuff. Christian Wood is a really good rebounder. He's got great hands. Mm-hmm. You know, Christian Wood can kind of, and also there's a little bit of that same thing with Andre, where when your front line is Christian Wood and. Um, Thon Maker, that's a lot of length, that's a lot of athleticism as your back line on defense, which it that does some things. So yeah. Sorry, yeah, I cut so you off. When they bad. don't have him at when they don't have him at center, when they have him at center it's a disaster. Even tonight they put him at disaster for uh, not disaster. They put they put they put him at center. They put him at center. And they we should just start calling it that. Goal. Just whenever they put him at, whenever Dwayne Casey plays Thon at center, we just say he's put him in at him at the disaster position. <laughs> it's no longer center. It's just disaster. <laughs> when they when they did put him at center and they like just started attacking him in the pick and roll and it was bad. But like so next like center disaster at power forward next to somebody else who can play center get the boards play like the physical stuff. He's I, I'll be fine with it. But I mean. I don't know if I can trust that because last season they didn't even sign a center. They they just said we don't we don't even need one. So I mean I don't know if he continues to play. I mean the thing with Thon is, dude, like not to get into a whole Thon like just make this thing a whole about Thon, but man, if the dude just 
like put on muscle, dude. I feel like that just that is the core reason for everything. Like he actually has some skill. He does. He, the last few games I've seen him put the ball on the ground, do some. I'm like, what the hell? Like he actually has some kind of. He actually has skill. It's literally. I'm not even joking. Actually, I will say this right now. You can quote. I think 100 percent, not 90, 80s. I think 100 percent of Thon's struggles is because of how skinny and how weak he is. I'm not even joking. He gets bumped around, and he just not ca- he's not capable to recover from it. He doesn't well, he have also, enough strength and muscle through anything. He also has terrible hands. Okay, okay, yeah, the hands is, as well. But, like, everything else, I think everything else literally stems from the fact that he's just too skinny and not strong. Not strong enough. And after, what is it, four years now of him being in the league, I just don't see it getting better. Yeah. Right? Apparently, this is just something that he can't change no matter how hard he wants. It, it's just something that just won't change. Yeah, I mean, so look, if if – if this season had not gone the way that it's gone, and we were looking at next season like, we can maybe make the next step into being a true contender, you know? That'd be like, let's try and upgrade that that man, Thumbmaker. But, like, given that that's not where it's probably going to be anyways, I mean, yep. by all accounts, he's a really good teammate. People really like him. He plays hard. You know, I mean, shoot. I, I no longer want to end my life every time I watch Thonmaker on the floor. <laughs> and you know what? It's a credit to him. I give him a lot of credit. Seriously. This isn't joking. I'm, I'm serious, okay? He's played a lot better. Um, and that's cool. That's nice. It's a nice, you know, these nice little silver linings, they're the things that you got to look for when your team is this awful. Yeah, you know, Reggie Jackson and Seiku make it hard to find something. Yeah. Okay, five, cool, cool. Three of cool. three of three hundred. Cool. So we were talking about the Timberwolves earlier. <laughs> they're playing the Sacramento Kings. They're in the third quarter. What do you think the score is? They're down by twenty. Sacramento's winning seventy-seven to sixty. <laughs> the now, same I, Sacramento I, I Kings that the Pistons beat by like fifty the other night. Each each game, each game that they lose and he continues not to win, I will be making fun of openly on Twitter. Openly, I will be making fun of him openly. And if someone tweets me, it's like, "Oh, well, he's better at your center than your center." I'll just continue. All I'll do is I'll quote with more laughing faces. <laughs> That's all I'll do. I really need the deadline to come, man. I just want to yep. know like where it's going to be going forward. Yep, that's why I've been banging. Like, you know, like, I need to know if I should be at all happy that, like, Tony Snell and Andre Drummond have developed a real chemistry together. You know? (laughs) I need to know if it matters that Reggie Jackson is already a good lob thrower to Christian Wood, too. Like, Christian Wood's already figuring out Reggie Jackson's pace. Even if Reggie Jackson can't hit the... Reggie Jackson can't throw the ball into a lake if he was standing on the pier. Joe Joe Silver lying just now was that I need to know in order for me to be happy I need to know if this Tony Snell and Andre Drummond pick and roll is a, is going to be okay. A, no, I'm not saying that's a silver Tony lining. Snell, I'm just saying like so it's been a thing that's developed over the past what? That's how bad the season. That's is. something that's kind of developed over the past what two or three weeks, and yes. it's kind of like look, Andre's probably getting traded, so I, it doesn't matter, you know. Like, I just, I just want to know what things I should be paying attention to and what things I shouldn't. That's all. All right. So, yeah. I think we're probably... I think we're probably in uh, in good shape here. Uh, we went over an hour, so... 
any any final thoughts to go on here, Koo? Yeah, last thing I'll say is John Moran apparently just liked to tweet this. Yeah, yeah, it, I see that. It's it's a gif of some I don't know who this is who is this? I don't know who it is, but it's like we want all the smoke with uh Igodala and then the next one, uh expletive Igodala. It says so fuck Igodala. That's what it says. And he liked that tweet. Hey, I respect it. Look, Iguodala, he 100% deserves it. You're sitting out on a team that's in the playoffs. And like, Jay Crowder, so he'll be playing Jay Crowder's minutes. Do you know how bad Jay Crowder has been for them this season? Like, have you looked at his numbers? No. Jay Crowder, here, let me, I'm going to bring him up for you here before we finish. Jay Crowder, so Jay Crowder's playing 33 minutes, not 33, 30 minutes a night. Jay Crowder is shooting 36% from the field and 29% from three. He's got a true shooting percentage of 50%. Like, he's been terrible, and he's playing a ton because they need a big, because they need him to. Like, if Andre Iguodala had actually decided to play for them, he would be super useful for them. Yep, so, bye. So... Yeah, just stupid. So, anyways, uh, we're going to wrap up there then. Um, stay beautiful, everybody. And I, I can't hardly even bring myself to say go Pistons anymore. You know? Yeah, don't just, say it. Ole. Say goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Mon the Famous Rangers. That's what I'll say. We're just... Or the Wickham Wanderers. We're just Wickham Wanderers fans here. Go Wiki. Stay beautiful, everybody.